Well, I might throw out the, you know, the old illustration of uh, the blind man and the elephant. Mm. How one, one blind man grabs the trunk of the elephant and says it's like a, um, you know, a big uh, snake or something. One grabs the tail, it's like a little rope. <laughs> or one grabs the uh, leg and says it's like a big tree trunk. Yeah. And one oh, yeah. grabs the ear and says it's like a, a big leaf from a bush mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. After generation and generation, built up this incredible amount of information on this thing. And have, as I said, even the little creases in the skin all connected. They've mapped it all out. <laughs> And then one day, it moves. Ah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's the uh, typical intro, Dr. Young, <laughs> every, every week. Uh, welcome to the Mango Podcast. Uh, here we are on Wednesday night at the church building, and uh, we have the blessing, we have the, the privilege of talking with the one and only Dr. Mike Young. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, say hello to the, the listeners. About 20, we have about 20, well, actually, I've been lying to people. I've been, tell, <laughs> I've been telling people that we have 25 listeners. I've actually checked the stats, and we have more like 30. Oh. <laughs> So to so, the 30 listeners, introduce yourself. Well, that's an impressive number. Yes, well, good evening, everybody. And this is Mike, and i um, glad to be here. And I'm not so it's so much in agreement with uh, John Mark that it's impressive. It's just that I <laughs> happened to stroll along, and he grabbed me to share a few thoughts with you, and I'm glad to do it. Now, uh, Dr. Young, he is a, a professor, a college professor, and... Uh, it is my understanding that one of your areas of expertise is philosophy. Well, that's what my PhD is in, is in philosophy, yeah. And uh, you, uh, could you, you might just share with everybody real quick before we begin talking about the, the, the meat of what we're talking about, but kind of your, your, in a brief version, your faith journey. Hmm. When did you come to, to believe in Jesus and, yeah. and how how that happened? Yeah. Well, I didn't grow up attending church um, at all. When I was young, I perhaps went two or three times, a couple of different churches that I remember. But when I, I had a grandmother that I dearly loved, and um, she was a, a very faithful Christian woman. And uh, when I decided, when I went off to college, I decided I'm going to figure out or find out what one does to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'd seen a little tract, I think, from my mom or from my uh, grandmother, and it just had kind of laid latent in the back of my mind for years. And so when I went off to college, got involved in a Bible study and, um, and fell into the study group and learned a little bit. And uh, I had in back of my mind, though, I'd been recruited by Abilene Christian for football. Of course, my uh, big-headedness thinking, well, I don't want to go to a little podunk school like that to play college <laughs> ball. Abilene, Texas. Yeah, who, went, who goes there? Yeah, I went to Colorado State <laughs> instead. And yeah. Anyway, um, because I did... Uh, come to the faith, was baptized, a little church outside of Fort Collins in Colorado. I decided if this stuff's true, the only thing that makes sense is to do it wholeheartedly, full-time. So I transferred into ACU, ACC back then, uh, to major in Bible, and uh, I was as green as could be. I'd probably read a few chapters of Genesis, maybe six, seven chapters (laughs) of Matthew. 
I thought a pistol was a wife of an apostle. I didn't know anything. <laughs> and I was sitting in class with all these guys that were Bible majors who'd grown up in the church and dads yeah. or ministers or elders. So it was a, it was a wide-eyed, uh, uh, growing experience, but it was a wonderful one. Too. Yeah. Really did you nice. continue playing football at ACU? Yes, I did, until a couple linebackers decided my knee should bend the other way. So yeah. <laughs> that retired me pretty quick. So, so how did you, where did you get your Ph.D.? Uh, the University of Dallas, and uh, it's a really fine uh, classical model uh, of a program. Uh, reviewing the core curriculum reviews all the classic tests of Western mm-hmm. civilization. And I, I did want to say that the reason, and this came later, this was after I had been a minister, uh, done some mission work and all that. I was up in Connecticut working with a little church up there. used to go into New York City quite a bit. And I, I met and encountered often uh, people that uh, were very well educated, and, you know, sophisticated, professionals, etc., and they were very much like what um, a German uh, philosopher, or theologian from the 19th century uh, coined the phrase, that they were the cultured despisers of the faith. Oh, yeah. And I knew, I knew, I had, I felt like I had really pretty solid biblical knowledge, but it, it just did not connect with them. Mm-hmm. And I knew I needed to get down underneath the thought streams and patterns and influences yeah. from the centuries yeah. before. Uh, to be able to speak to these people and to understand yeah. where they were being influenced by. So that's what drove me to become a, go to the Ph.D. program. Man, interesting. So now if someone asks you, what, what, what do you do for a living? What do you say? What's the answer? Well, I teach. You teach? Yeah, I teach. Yeah. And which is a joy because it's um, get to share insights and wisdom from everything from the ancients to more modern philosophers. Uh, and, of course, I do some theology and teaching as well. And uh, it's joyous to see people latch on to an insight and make it their own. Mm. And, and they are better formed in their soul by it. You know? Yes. So, you, so you, yeah. you have a delight in thinking you had a part in that. Oh, I can so imagine. That's fun. Well, it's going to continue today, Dr. <laughs> Young, because uh, we, uh, we thought we'd bring in the, the, the big guns. <laughs> last, uh, last Sunday, we began talking about truth as a class mm-hmm. and we played a game called spectrum where we line up in the middle of the room and we put these statements on the powerpoint mm-hmm. and the room is set up to where on, on the right side it's agree and the left side is, is disagree and then uh in the middle it's, it's neutral and, mm-hmm. and where you are on the spectrum whether you agree or disagree you stand and it generates conversation it generates discussion it's interesting to see it some sometimes in these questions are these statements? There are people all over the room, and uh, it's interesting to see how they got there. And I think, as a as a Christian community, I think it's a beautiful image of of what it's all about of, of spurring mm-hmm. each other on and, mm-hmm. and not agreeing uh, uh, in everything, but also learning from each other on things that we, we may differ in. Mm-hmm. And so, I thought uh, with this time uh, for the the minutes that we have together, that we would kind of play. A little bit a version of this game okay. where I would uh, stay say the same statements mm-hmm. that we had on Sunday, and give you a chance to, mm-hmm. to say, well, where would you stand on the spectrum? Would you mm-hmm. agree, strongly agree, agree, uh, neutral, mm-hmm. uh, disagree, or strongly disagree? And, okay. and kind of talk about what you know what uh, leads you to stand yeah. in that. Spot figuratively, but you'd have to endure my rationale for any position I take. Yes, it's gonna, oh, yeah. It's, 
Yeah, we'll t- it's not a simple yes or no. So. <laughs> well, it's only a philosopher would say, yeah, that's right. So uh, the first statement that we put on that board, uh, the PowerPoint, was this. And question, I'm curious if you agree, mm-hmm. disagree. Society no longer cares about truth. Society no longer cares about truth. Where would you stand on that? I would disagree because people always are longing for truth, Mm. whether they know how to even articulate what they're searching for or not. Mm. But there's a longing for it. But the proviso and my stance on that is to say I do also think there is a cultural fatigue Mm. uh, in society of claims of truth. And there's almost, in some circles and some people, a kind of um, abdication to um, not being able to discover mm. any truth or mm. hold to any truth because yeah. of this cultural mm. fatigue of actually centuries old of different uh, philosophical stances about how we come to truth uh, and how one accesses it. And then mm. we have the conflation of information through social media, etc. Yeah, oh yeah. And we now, as ever, never before, have so many competing voices, mm. and there's a sense of throwing one's hands up and retreating back into yourself or your small group and think, well, I just operate here. I can't handle <laughs> or contend with all yeah. these different claims. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, it, it just kind of a... a, a uh, fatigue. It's almost like an, an introvert who's living in an extrovert world. So many voices. Yeah. I just want to go to my room and yeah. close the door. Sure. Too many sure. voices. I can't, uh, right. I can't think clearly. Right. But uh, but at, you, at the core, you believe that within human nature, that we're all searching for mm. truth. Just maybe it's well, even, a little bit fatigue. In fact, I, I taught a, a doctoral a tutorial this afternoon on Bernard Lonergan, um, a recent philosopher and and he's in his one of his works insights he's talking about that um, the human intellect is unique in that it is consistent in always seeking to know mm. always seeking to mm. understand whether yeah. it is something specific in uh, benefit to them or not it is of human nature to seek knowledge, to mm. seek understanding, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a sign of transcendence, mm. something more, because yeah. we want information, understanding that goes out beyond our immediate needs. Yes, no other yeah. creature does that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. so it's within our our uh, our very nature, and this brings us to the next one too. To mm. Kind of, I'd be curious about, and and uh, the next two are, are similar, but uh, I'd be curious your take on it. But uh, the next statement is truth. Is subjective, and it's up to each individual to decide for themselves what is right and wrong. I'll say it one more time: truth is subjective, and it's up to each individual to decide for themselves what is right or wrong. Where would you stand, Mr. Young, on that one? Well, I, I would disagree. Woo! Uh, <laughs> that's, that's two disagrees. I like this. <laughs> well. Truth is involved. We subjectively are involved in the accessing of truth, but truth itself is objectively real and there. Mm. It's like saying, um, "Are there absolute truths?" Yes, we just don't have absolute access to them. Mm. We, we have partial attainment uh, of some truths. We have partial uh, accessing or learning or acquiring truth, but truth itself mm. is not subject to our subjectivity. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
we we were involved in as an individual and our own personal background and insights and so forth um, provides the meat or the really more like the sieve or mm-hmm. matrix through which mm-hmm. we try to access truth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So sometimes it's partial, sometimes it's distorted. Yeah. Uh, so there is that aspect of subjectivity, but it's uh, well. Mm-hmm. If I might spin off a little bit. Yeah. The problem in, in even the question is framing it in this dualism of subject-object dichotomy. Mm. Mm. Um, because it's never only one side or the other. It's always a dialectic or a like a conversation, mm-hmm. back and forth, back and forth, mm-hmm. in which certainly our subjective historical background, our perspectives are involved, but the truth itself is objective, and there's movement yeah. back oh, and yeah. forth. You know, it, yeah. we we may cast out our thought or opinion on what we think is true, our subjective uh, thought about something, but the truth has a way of pushing back against mm-hmm. that yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. pressing upon us to have to adjust. Yeah, you know, and see further insights. And uh, and I probably should have asked this first um, too, but. You know, just the word truth itself it, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's, a, it's a tough word to define uh, do you have do you have a working definition or something that you um, work with or even so, if, if if a third grader were to ask mm-hmm. you to define truth how would you how would you respond to that well <laughs> two levels one one would be truth is not a thing truth is ultimately or mm. comprehensively person mm. and it's the person of Christ mm. yeah. he is truth yeah now, shy of in, uh, speaking in terms of biblical content and the person of Christ, yeah. the definition of truth is being. Being. Now, that's a little bit abstract. Yeah. But, but what's being asserted in that statement is truth is being. That is existence. Mm-hmm. Mm. All of existence. Yeah. And being as an entity and yeah. all comprehensive entities. Um, the fact that things exist, we exist implies the sum sense of being of all beings, yeah. which we yeah. would refer to as God. Yeah. And so being, or excuse me, truth as being, and well, even the classical statement or the classical trinity yeah. of the true, the, uh, the good, the true, and the beautiful, yeah. Yeah. Um, which certainly the church picked up on early. Uh, with Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm, mm. But the ancients, the, the pagans even, uh, of uh, early Greece and Rome recognize this triune reality of the good, the true, and the beautiful. Sometimes the true, the good, and the one, mm. which even further lends yeah. itself to uh, oh, yeah. point to God. Yeah. So truth is being, existence, and ultimately what that existence is is the being of God himself. Yeah. So in, in, in essence, uh, this discussion about truth is essentially um, trying to determine who is Jesus, who is Christ, who is mm-hmm. the Christ. Mm-hmm. What are the characteristics of Christ? If Christ says something, then that, if Christ is something, that, that, is, that embodies mm-hmm. truth, ex- truth itself. Yeah. And that includes hard uh, factual stuff like mathematics and, mm-hmm. and so forth, uh, the truth of um, uh, biochemistry and so all those, all that data, all that information that uh, we have acquired and built up through the centuries, it is all lending itself or is is sublimated. Sorry mm-hmm. for the fancy word. <laughs> it, it is subsumed. To put it that way, subsumed in Christ. Yeah, it yeah. is all 
if it's true, it is of him. It is of him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, another way I've heard it put, whether you think this is good or not, is it's, it's the way the world is. It's the mm-hmm. way it's the way the world is intended to mm-hmm. to be. It, it is, uh, mm-hmm. which I think it maybe fall into your being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which brings us to the third statement, which mm-hmm. I'd be curious uh, your your take on and. Similar to the second, but it might have a little bit of a difference. But uh, the third statement is, there is one absolute truth by which all things are true. Mm-hmm. There is one absolute truth by which all things are true. What do you think, Dr. Young? Uh, agree, disagree? Well, I would agree, and, and it's, it, it certainly dovetails in what we just were talking about in the previous one. Yeah. Um, but again, I would say... Uh, this because that throws up uh, all kinds of questions or counter uh, remarks of well what about all the uh, uh, conflicts of claims of truth and yeah. different opinions and so forth well truth itself is absolute and again mm-hmm. ultimately that truth is, is Christ himself but the reason for all the uh, multiple opinions and positions and perspectives and so forth is it doesn't say then that we have all access and full access to that mm. truth. We're growing in or growing towards it, or yeah. uh, due to sin, we are growing away from it and blinding ourselves from it. Yeah. Um, and there, there's the motivations of our own selfish wills and desires that block access to that truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't want that truth impinging upon our own uh, perhaps distorted desires yeah. and, and so forth. And, and I would say this, too, that um, perhaps one of the other one questions following would lap up on this. Well, I, if, if I may, the, yeah. the, oh, yeah. had the follow-up, mm-hmm. you know, how do people look at the same facts and come up with different conclusions? Yes. Well, I might throw out the, you know, the old illustration of uh, the blind man and the elephant. Mm. Uh, one, one blind man grabs the trunk of the elephant and says it's like a, um, you know, a big... Uh, snake or something. One grabs the tail; it's like a little rope. Or one grabs the uh, leg and says it's like a big tree trunk. Yeah. And one oh, yeah. grabs the ear and says it's like a, a big leaf from a bush mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that everyone has their own perspective, mm-hmm. and, and they're accessing this truth of the elephant uh, in piecemeal and partial and yeah. partial amount or, or context, and that's quite true. But if I could extend that illustration a little bit to capture what I'm saying is that um, imagine having multiple blind people coming to the elephant. Yeah. And not just one group, but doing it for generations. Mm, mm. One generation after the other. They, to such an extent that they yeah. map out even the little creases in the skin <laughs> on this thing. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's yeah. all connected that they have built up a mass of knowledge by touch. And each has had their own perspective, but but they're finding out there's there's a coordination, if you will, of this amassing of data. Yeah. And oh, there's yeah. a kind of wholeness to it. Yeah. And so that there's a, and this is a kind of a advocation of the riches and mm-hmm. uh, necessity of communal knowledge. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping, mm-hmm. by, building up, accessing information from the generation before. And so yeah. Forth. Oh, yeah. So uh, also there's this aspect to the story that I would add. That they, after generation and generation, have built up this incredible amount of information on this thing and have, as I said, even the little creases in the skin all connected. They've mapped it whole out. <laughs> and then one day, 
it moves. Ah. <laughs> and so the whole paradigm is blown. Yeah. yeah. Now it doesn't it doesn't negate all the information they built up, yeah. but it blows their paradigm of what they thought it was as in Toto. Now they have to reconsider all this information mm-hmm. in a new light. And that's very much what Thomas Kuhn says about scientific revolutions. Yeah. That yeah. you build up information under a paradigm, mm-hmm. a model of what you think the whole thing yeah. works under. Yeah. And then you some discovery, some insight blows it apart. Yeah. You don't dismiss all the information, you just have to re understand it, reconfigure it. So in essence, uh in correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. with this analogy, what what can be implied is that generations Truth over time can shift. Mm-hmm. Is that is that right? Well, it's, the it's truth itself truth. doesn't. They're our understanding true. of yeah. it. Yeah. So I mean, uh, uh, let's say 500 years ago mm-hmm. there was a truth, um, and it, something was believed to be true, mm-hmm. and then 2019, it's a different perspective. Mm-hmm. They're both. They were both possibly true in the moment. Or, yeah, uh, except I, I would guard against uh, um, too easy of a relativism there because yeah. um, the truths discovered, insights made, uh, can also have an enduring power yeah. and yeah. last all this time. Yeah. Um, so it, it's the the perspectivalism <laughs> uh, of of what people are encountering now uh, that you know it's well you, you talk about. Um, just everybody kind of their own conclusions, you're on your own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it, that's another form of uh, cultural fatigue because of all of the competing voices. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, you know, you people have probably heard the, the terms postmodernism. And really what postmodernism is a, um, a transition period. Yeah, oh and, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I remember reading in the 1990s already saying that we were in the post postmodern, mm. <laughs> So it's a very transitional period, and what it is a transition from, and then what perhaps is toward, is a transition from what was um, probably a presumptuous claims of objective truth without any question. Yeah. And now this um, postmodern uh, scenario tries to uh, emphasize the you know the particular perspective and historical conditionedness and so forth. Yeah. And it is a corrective, but it in of itself is not a large enough or comprehensive enough thought system to to sustain mm. us yeah. because nobody yeah. lives like that. Yeah. Nobody lives oh, yeah. like everything is just on my own perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's called solipsism, which means yeah. the only truth is my own truth and yeah. you know, oh, disregarded yeah. by we, we can't live like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we're moving, at least I, I already see signs of a, a more what would be called critical realism, that that you, you acknowledge that there are truths, objective truths, mm-hmm. but there's there's also the need to be open for further insights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, told, I've taught my students uh, for years that you know, with um, Socratic dialogue or Socratic dialectic, a question-answer mm-hmm. way of yeah. coming to knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a bowl in which you, you fill in and you, you put in information and you fill that bowl up. And there's certainly the um, sense of uh, questions about it and, and you have answers and so forth, but you need to maintain an openness for it. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you you've, yeah. uh, dismissing the knowledge gain. You just need to be open to gain new insights uh, to add to it, yeah, oh, so yeah. maintain that openness of critical uh, realism 
being mm. willing to to question even that which you've learned and, and understood. Oh, yes. So. Yeah. Hey, my friends, this concludes part one of the interview with Dr. Mike Young, Truth and Moving Elephants. Uh, We'll continue uh, for part two for next week and uh, go deeper into some of the practical implications of truth. So, man, please tune in next week. But before I let you go, just a couple of great announcements for next Sunday. Well, this Sunday, love for you guys to be back. Uh, We are going to have an activity again in our Bible class. Uh, tea for two and there might be some sort of edible uh, involved not quite sure yet but please uh, come join us we'll continue our discussion it's going to be an engaging moment also wanted to announce that uh, we have purchased a a book 25 copies of this book by uh, tim keller the name of the book is called the reason for god uh belief with the in the age of skepticism and uh, we're just thinking that in our effort to hit all styles of learning, uh, in order to uh, tap into all the ways that people can grow and, and be transformed, we have the podcast that helps uh, during the week with audio. We have the class on Sunday, which is uh, community time. But we'd also like to uh, extend a, uh, this, off, this opportunity to read for those that can learn in this way as well. And so we've purchased 25 copies of this book. Uh, and we're going to give out free the next Mango class. And so uh, please, uh, if you want a copy, uh, we have one waiting for you uh, this Sunday. Also this Sunday, you, you're not going to want to miss out because I believe uh, Jake is continuing his sermon series on Lent. And his special interview is going to be with the one and only Bimpe McMillan. Uh, she is one of us. She's one of the Mango class. And so... It would be, uh, of course, awesome to come and support her as she's on the big stage on Sunday. Hope you guys are having a great uh, rest of the week, and uh, we will see you guys soon. Peace and love.